Hey, Nerd Talk Nation, this is your host, Jordan Halstead, and today I am going to be covering the Guardians of the Galaxy film with two of my friends, Scott and Savannah. Savannah, this is your first time. Welcome. And, uh, you know, we, we always ask this question, what got you into the nerd world and what kind of nerdism is your favorite part of the nerd world? So go ahead and answer those for us. Um, I mean, you kind of influenced my, like, introduction to the nerd world, but I've always watched it when I was younger. Um, my favorite, like, aspect of it is, like, just anything Marvel. I love, like, superheroes and, like, pew-pew powers everywhere. All the onomatopoeia, yes. Um, you know, I, if you don't know what that means, it's the bam-pow, the, the pew-pews, all the, like, the, the, the words that describe things. Um, I think it's really funny because, you know, I was your youth pastor. And part of that world was we got to do uh, Bible studies and we would say, hey, come watch Marvel movies at our house. Hey, we're going to go do this or whatever. And I remember you guys all fought me for the longest time. And next thing I know, I get this text. I love Marvel. And like <laughs> you just got really into it. And I texted you to say, hey, would you be willing to be on this episode? I know you're, you're running through the Marvel right now. Like, how far are you in it? And you were like, oh, I'm on Hawkeye. And I'm like, Oh my gosh! Last I I didn't think you were gonna burn through it the way you have. Um. So, what? Let Let's ask this one as well. What's been your favorite part of the MCU? Seeing how the actors in like certain movies have improved, like in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie versus like the second Guardians of the Galaxy. I like seeing how the actors improve. It's pretty cool. Okay. So, who's your favorite character in the MCU? spider-man specifically toby he's always gonna be the best oh my gosh oh my gosh you're way too young for that like <laughs> scott scott were you in high school when that came out or were you in college sorry i had my mic muted there so yeah i saw that movie in high school i think i just graduated or it was my senior year when i went and saw that okay yeah, it was, it's funny. I remember we were living in Alliance at the time, and my dad was like, we're going to Mount Union because we lived like right next to Mount Union, like maybe a half a block or two, um, maybe somewhere in there to, to the theater. So we actually would either drive or walk uh, to the movie theater. And I remember seeing it at the movie theater at Mount Union, seeing Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. And so, because that would have been 2002, 2004, someone like that. Two, two th it was it was 2002 because it was supposed to, I think it was supposed to come out in 2001 and got delayed because of the uh, because attacks. of 9/11. Yep. And then 2004 was when Spider-Man 2 came out, right? Yeah. Okay. And then I remember watching Spider-Man 3 when we lived in Eaton, and uh, my dad loved Spider-Man, so I I totally get that. But Sav, I don't know if you were even born <laughs> when, when some of those films came out. So it just it makes me laugh that. Toby's your favorite because I'm pretty sure you were born like right at the time who, that Spider-Man 3 came out. Who was the actor who played Spider-Man in a 1970s version? Oh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I just honestly found out there was even a Spider-Man in, in the TV show from back in the day. Oh my gosh. I, it was I, the worst. I've never it was seen the it. worst. I, I have I heard. I heard that the actor when no way home was coming out, they were trying to figure out like, Hey, are you going to be in this since the other guys are in this? And he was like, I never got called. Um, and <laughs> because everyone else forgot that there was actually one. <laughs> I've heard who? there was for good reason too. Um, <laughs> Star Lord, who? who? Spider Man, who? Yeah. So, uh, 
let, let's go ahead and dive into this. We're talking Guardians of the Galaxy and you know, Guardians was a really fun movie, but what were your initial thoughts going into this film? And I'm going to start with Scott because we got to see these these films as they were coming out. We, we've been a part of the MCU for as long as it's existed. Sav, you kind of came in a little bit later. But with, with us going and seeing them as they were happening, what were your thoughts going into this film? Because nobody had heard about Guardians unless you were a true comic book fan. So what, what were your thoughts? I hated it. I hated the whole idea. Like when I heard it, I think I was working at camp and I think it was uh, Thad Davis told me about Guardians of the Galaxy. He goes, oh yeah, it's like there's a talking raccoon. I go, wait, what? A talking raccoon? Oh, this, and I literally said, man, they jumped the shark. This is the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like I was like, because I didn't know anything about it, had no clue. I'm like, man, this is going to be awful. Yeah. A talking tree and a talking raccoon, like, no way. This this sounds stupid to me. Like, absolutely. So after that conversation, I was able to, like, I think I was able to get on, like, some type of app. And just, I think that's when I finally got, like, did my 30-day free trial for Comicology, And they had, like, one okay. Guardian so they, of the Galaxy. Yeah. And I got to read it. And I'm like, Okay, you know, I, I so then I read it. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to pull this off. Like, that was the thing. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. It's too outside of what is considered normal at that point. Like, everything was pretty much on Earth, on the ground. They had more established characters. And even some of your non-established characters, it's like, well, they kind of became established because they're attached to other you know, they're either attached to Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, or to a main the Avenger, Incredible yeah. Hulk. So it kind of so it kind of build out there. So it's like now you're going throwing these brand new characters who have no connection to anything, and it's just an odd choice. I don't know how this is going to work well, out. Well, and th- that was not the original Guardians cast either. Like none of those were original Guardian members, if I if I understand that correctly. So mm. like when when that comic book series started, the, none of these characters I believe were original team members because that's a that's a rotating roster team. So they've had hmm. multiple different people. That's why, like, when we get to the second movie, we have Mantis who shows up. But the original five that were on the movies were not original five team members. And I think they even bring in the original Guardians of the Galaxy in the second movie, and that's Sylvester Stallone's group. I think oh, those okay. were supposed to be the original members. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. All right, Savannah, hmm. you started the MCU not long ago, like within the past year. So what what were your thoughts coming in on this? I mean, you had seen all of phase one. So there are six movies there. Then you watched Iron Man three, Thor, the Dark World, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And then you go in and you've got Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, what were your thoughts? How did you what what did you think going into this film? Because no, like like Scott just said, none of the characters were prior existing here. So there there's a whole new team. So what were your thoughts? So going into it, I was like super ecstatic because I watched it before when it like came out because it was a new movie. Everybody sees new movies. Um, watching it lately, though, repeatedly going into it, I was like, going to be pretty confusing because we go from like Captain America with a big old shield and Iron Man with hands that shoot to a raccoon, like Scott said, and in a tree. I thought it was very confusing, but I was excited to go and like really understand it. Yeah, no, I, I think that these characters, they're different. They're not your typical superheroes. There's no reason like, and the way that they've handled aliens, I love that because you go in and you see like, 
you could have done anything, but they're kind of humanoid-esque to a degree. And just to see how they're they're handled, and Groot can only say, I am Groot, and you've got Rocket who understands, and no one else understands. And it's like, it was just played very, very well. I know that when I went and saw it, uh, I'm trying to remember the time frame. So this is 2014. So when I was going to see this film, I actually saw it, I believe right before I went to Honduras and I wanted to make sure that, so I was on a missions trip and we went to Honduras with heart to Honduras. And I specifically made time to go see that film. I believe it was right before I flew out for Honduras and it was a lot of fun. And I remember seeing it with my family and we all really enjoyed it. And I just, I did not expect it to be the level that it was like I walked in and I was like, Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be an okay film. It's going to be more like, Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, that's definitely not going to be Captain America The Winter Soldier, which I still stand by as one of the best films in cinematic history. Um, and you'll, you'll catch that on one of the, the other episodes uh, that we'll have released. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this is, this is a different type of film. So let's go ahead and dive in with who was your favorite Guardian? So Sav, what, who was your favorite Guardian? Chris Pratt. Oh my gosh. Not only is he good looking, don't get me wrong, I think he plays him. I, I just think he plays the Guardian amazingly. He's so fun. I like the part where they're inspecting him and he like does the middle finger. The middle finger. Yeah, that was that was funny. You know, I it's funny because you say Chris Pratt, and I think, well, yeah, because you're a high school girl. I totally can see why you're like, oh, Chris Pratt. But in reality, I think even all the guys were saying that and kind of <laughs> hoping that Scott's going to be like, oh, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Scott, he's just a really funny person. He's a good actor. He is. <sighs> he, he's pretty solid. So, Scott, who, who's your uh, who's your favorite guardian? I would have to say for me, it had to be Drax the Destroyer. I, I just I just like the character. Plus, I mean, a, like a big like WWE fan, just seeing Dave Batista doing acting and actually not doing doing a good job like actually doing really well is kind of like oh it's kind of okay. one of those like i don't know that any anybody else like background wise could do better than a wwe guy <laughs> like that whole like like fake acting kind of thing like you know when there's those really bad moments where those guys are because it's 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 real yeah. right wink wink <laughs> yeah like, well i mean even if you even if you think about um like some of your like your more buffer actors that have that type of physique and look like I, the only person I could think of would be like a Tom Hardy. And I don't know if he could pull it off. I really don't think he could have pulled that off as much as Dave Batista could. Yeah. I, I think that the physique from the WWE and then pulling in just because there, there is some acting to that and to know that, Hey, you've got lines you need to deliver. And he was kind of prepared for that. And it was, it was really cool. I listened to this video that Batista did and he said, if it weren't for John Cena, I would not have been able to get the role that I did because John Cena started to get into the world of acting before any of us did, like heavily in into these big blockbusters. And if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have got this role. And I'm like, you know, I didn't like John Cena 10 years ago, but thank you, John Cena. <laughs> I, think, I think the first time I'd, I'd seen him in anything was uh, like Fred the movie. And it was like this really weird, like, why are you here kind of thing. And now watching him as Peacemaker, I'm like, you're getting a lot better. Like, you you keep going, dude. Like, Wait like a minute. Fred. He was a perfect dad in Fred. Perfect in the fridge. Every single time. Stop it. All right. We're, we're moving forward. I just, 
No. I, I, for me, Kirk? I think my for my favorite Guardian, I definitely have to sit with either Drax or uh, Groot. I loved Groot. I loved the way that he just was in the film. Uh, he was kind of like that. He's not paying attention, and he's trying to drink out of the fountain or like, hey, our bounty is getting away. Go get him. And he's just like, oh, that's what we're here for. Like, forgot. Like, it's just one of those moments. And and then, like, the whole we are Groot, there was just that little bit of touch and go that I'm just like, mm. like, he grabbed me by the heart and he squeezed a little bit and I'm, I'm, I'm tearing up pretty bad. So this movie definitely had uh, some great heroes, but it also had some really good villains. So they brought in people like the collector who we saw in a post scene uh, with Thor the Dark World. We had Roman Ronan, the accuser, but we also had Nebula. So what were your guys' thoughts on seeing these guys as active villains in this this movie? I'm not going to include Thanos just because we'll get to him in a little bit. But, you know, as a active villain, what did you guys think about these villains that were in here? And let's go with Scott. Okay. Um, so I think with the villains for me, I think I think as far as villains, I, I liked every single villain that was in Guardians of the Galaxy because they each were unique in their own special way. Um, you know, reading the comics, the collectors kind of I think he was more sinister, but again, like I love Benicio del Toro since the man with the golden gun was like his first starring role. So like watching that, it's like, Oh, okay. I really like this guy. And then seeing Lee pay, or was it? It's Lee pace. He played Ronan, right? Um, or Mike. I, yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. Because, I, sorry. I, I was, I, I always get Lee pace and Paul Dano confused, but Paul Dano was the Riddler and the Batman. So <laughs> yeah. So it was Lee pace and Lee pace, I believe was like, a British actor who did like a bunch of like random, like sitcom shows, like in a couple of like small, like British shows. So the fact that, and he was a great actor. So just fact that he was able to get in a big major motion picture thing and be able to do something outside of his wheelhouse was fantastic. I thought he played Ronan perfectly. And then Nebula by, uh, by Ms. Gilliam, like, yeah, like, fantastic like i think again the casting was great and i think each of those villains had their moments and even with some of the smaller some of the time that they did have on screen like they were able to you're very understand who the character was and kind of understand a little bit more of their backstory just subtle backstory even though it's not mentioned greatly you you kind of get that so i thought that it was they're fantastic I savannah What'd you think? Yes. <laughs> well, everything you said. There you go. Yeah. Did you have anything else that you'd like to add into that? I think that the the villains were pretty good. I liked how um, the the whole sister rivalry was with Nebula and Gamora. I liked how Nebula was more of the underestimated sister, but yet she always like fulfilled her job. Versus, like, her sister, we know what happened with her sister. She's- That's fair. I, uh, I think one of my favorite parts about this whole franchise is that this, like, the Guardians, I don't feel like the first film in the Guardians really had a villain. And I know, I know that there were villains, but there was enough that, like, you know, when you, when you go back to, like, movies like Spider-Man 3, where you had Sandman, 
Green Goblin 2, and uh, Venom. That's three villains that were not well. You didn't know who the real villain was. Like, it was like you're fighting all these guys. There's connections, but it kind of was a little all over the place. But then you go into Guardians. You've got Nebula, Collector, and Ronan, and none of them are really the main focus. Like, there's not a lot of time spent on any specific one. They're just going through, and they're facing off with these guys. And I don't think that this, you know, a lot of films have, like, one villain, and they – like, are trying to do something big and bad. And when you look at this, I guess Ronan is that guy. But it's more they're doing life and trying to protect the universe and all these different people. There's just too many hands going at it. And they're handling it very, very well because Nebula keeps coming back. Ronan, uh, he shows back up in Captain Marvel as a, as a prequel piece. You have the Collector who shows back up in Infinity War. They weren't your typical villains that just die at the end of the movie. Like, I mean, Ronan did, but... They're like you still see other remnants of them in other parts, and I, I just I really like that. I like the way they handle it. I think that Marvel started to break how they handled their villains around this time frame, and it wasn't just a oh we're just writing in a villain to go kill him. It wasn't Iron Man where oh hey we're killing Ironmonger, we're gonna kill Whiplash, we're gonna kill Adrian. Like where they they took all those villains, brought them in, and killed them off in the same film. And then you go and you look at like uh, Captain America where. Red Skull got teleported somewhere, so he wasn't officially dead. Uh, Crossbones comes back in Civil War. Like, you, you have characters who show back up. Batrock the Leaper, he was sprinkled in at the very beginning of Winter Soldier and comes back in uh, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They started to kind of shift their whole thought process of, hey, we're, we're going from let's bring the villain in and kill them after their movie to, hey, let's, let's keep them around for a little bit. Maybe we can do something bigger. And I think that came back to the MCU being something bigger at large. What did you guys think about, and as we are still on uh, villains, what did you guys think about how they sprinkled Thanos into this film? Thanos, at, at this point, has been in twice in the MCU, both in post credit scenes with Avengers. Oh, no, this is his second time because Age of Ultron hadn't happened yet. So uh, he has shown up at the end of Avengers in a post credit scene, and then now he's showing up, like, physically there. So what were your guys' thoughts with that one? Sav, let's start with you. Perfect meme material. As a teenager in the culture and recently getting introduced into MCU again, perfect meme material. There's so many videos of just Thanos twerking for no reason. It's hilarious. Oh and God. he, I think, is a great <gasps> villain. He, he's very stern and he's like, he's like the Darth Vader of MCU. You can look because he's scary, but like, don't touch so, the grape. So, don't touch the grape. Oh my gosh. So, it's actually He's really like funny. a really ugly. Oh my gosh. All right. So, what's what's really funny is you bring up the whole Thanos is Darth Vader kind of of the MCU. There was actually a point where they said Thanos will be this generation's Darth Vader. And so, I was I sat back and when I heard someone make that statement and th- I mean this was Savannah, this is probably around the same time frame that uh 2016 2017 when when they made that comment and they started saying hey this is where we're going with this i remember sitting back i'm like they have to be doing something really big with this character because darth vader is i mean is my generation's darth vader so to come in and say this is going to be this generation's darth vader this generation includes me so i'm sitting there just thinking oh crap what did we get into 
And and I think that for me to see Thanos, and I read the comics. I love what they've done with Thanos. I love all the I watch a lot of the cartoons. So I've seen how they've handled him each time they they bring in an iteration. And I think that for Marvel to go in and build Thanos up and to sprinkle him in and the Avengers, and then they start bringing him in physically into Guardians and they sprinkle him in there. You'll see him at the end of uh Age of Ultron. And then you go in Infinity War, Endgame, you see him just straight up. And then he even makes an appearance as a quick cameo, dead, but in Multiverse of Madness. Like, years and years and years and years and years later, like, he's still showing up. Like, he is still that big of a character. And I, I love seeing the way that they've handled him. So, Scott, we, we talk about sprinkling in those characters a lot. What are your thoughts on the way that they handled Thanos on this? I think... I think it just trying to make Thanos a bigger threat, you know, I think just the slow, cause you're, you're building up to something. So it's like, okay, if you're kind of building up something, you're seeing a little bit more of this here and you're like, okay, if you're going to try to make Thanos a bigger threat, then you're going to, and again, you're seeing Ronan kind of being, you know, a really big threat, like a very evil threat. So it's like, okay, how's Thanos going to top Ronan? And then, of course, you know, as you progress further through the MCU, then you see, you know, how much of a bad man uh, Thanos is and how much he can rack a lot of damage very quickly. Do you think that the way they handled Ronan and Thanos in this film was good? Or do you think that they could have gone even further? Do you do you wish that they would have kept Ronan around a little longer? What, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. Like, like, here's the thing, like. As much as I, I almost kind of like Ronan being gone in some ways because you got to see him back in Captain Marvel, which I thought was fantastic. Um, so it's like, oh, cool. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think you had to because it would almost, I think just the way it played out, like even if you made Thanos too much of a threat in this movie, um, then it's like, okay, well then, who the heck's Ronan? Like Ronan's like just a pawn, you know, at this point, but just trying to build Ronan up to being a quick, like even within the first like couple minutes, you see Ronan and everything that he's doing. You already know like, okay, this is, this is a bad mamma jamma right here. Like this guy. I was guy's... hoping you were going to use that phrase. I love that phrase. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> Pulling out my inner John Trussell. So, <laughs> yes. But yeah, like, I think that was great. I think that was great. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Um, and I mean, it, it, and again, because of the nature and how Guardians builds into the bigger Infinity Saga, I mean, you, you'd have to, you'd have to kill them all. So it was nice to kind of see him come back in um, Captain Marvel. But again, that was a prequel, I guess, in the timeline as far as being in the 90s. So, you know, yeah. blockbuster video and all that. Uh, yeah, we don't have many of those around anymore. There's uh, one left. Yeah. Road trip. <laughs> uh, so what was your guys' favorite scene in this film? We we have, I mean, there's there's so much stuff. And, and Sav, you were kind of talking about, you know, when you brought Chris Pratt in and, and he's in jail and they're like going through all the different pieces. Like what, what was your favorite part of this film? Like out of all the scenes, all the fight scenes, the the dialogue, whatever it is, what was your favorite part of this film? Um, I would have to say it's when they first get 
taken to prison is that the word taken or taken one or the other when they go there and we meet um we just meet everybody i like when they try to steal his headphones chris's headphones oh when they that's my music that's (laughs) like (laughs) blue suede that's mine yeah i i enjoy that i i think that the whole prison scene was just phenomenal like yeah that that was cool i think the only other prison sequence that may be any better that that is from marvel comes from daredevil season two when punisher is going down the hallway and daredevil's there and and they're all just like fighting down the hallways and things like that i think that's the only thing that like prison wise just tops that for me uh i think my favorite and the whole thing I just love seeing all the different planets. I feel like we're, we've seen so many films where they create Earth and they're going through this. And I, that's one of the reasons I like the movie Avatar is because you can get creative. It's not Earth. It doesn't have to look like Earth. You can have people who look different. You can have the scenery look different. You can have the fauna look different. You can have all these different pieces, and it doesn't have to look anything resembling anything on planet Earth. Like it can be like someone has an elephant for a, tr- for a nose or like an, a trunk for their nose. Um, like that could be your person and have like massive Dumbo ears and, and they're humanoid. Like you can have that as an alien. I, I like the way that you can be very creative with it. And so Scott, you're making faces. What, what's your favorite thought on this? I think probably my favorite, I think my favorite scene would have to be the jail scene, especially when they're in the lunchroom. Because again, when you're thinking about these characters, like when you think about these characters, okay, you have, you know, you kind of have Gamora, which you're like, okay, everybody wants to kill Gamora. That's when you kind of start seeing Drax. That's the first time you see Drax and he wants to kill Gamora. But then you have Rocket and Groot. And it seems like all Rocket is, is this little puny raccoon with a bunch of these like killers. And then you have a tree. And it's like, okay. But then that scene where rocket is like yelling at him and you see Groot like take his like like his fingers and they extend up the guy's nose and oh and you're just like you're just like oh my like this 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 is no this is not a like a little weak twig right here this this tree can do some damage and even Groot's just like you know he's just you know he puts his money where his mouth is like he has he has a swagger to him he does I think that's one of the best parts about this character is he's not just the dumb tree like he kind of plays more aloof but he's got that swagger. He's, he comes in, he knows what he's doing and he's your true muscle. Like, yeah. I mean, like you got, when you look at the Avengers versus the guardians, you have like muscle being Thor and Hulk on the Avengers, but then you have Drax and Groot on the guardians. And uh, I mean, that's not including when you have characters like uh, Gamora and you have uh, star Lord to, to some extent, he's got a little bit of strength to him. And so, you know, I think I think that's really really cool. I like the way that that's handled, and so yeah, I would definitely say that the way they handle Groot there is just really really cool. So, did you like the inclusion when we talked about the collector? We're gonna we're gonna kind of shift gears here. Did you like the inclusion of some of the cameos with Cosmo, uh, the Astro Dog, and Howard the Duck who made those cameos? What were your guys' thoughts on that? Or do you wish they had bigger parts? Do you wish that they were not even there? Like, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Scott, what are your thoughts? All right. So the Howard the Duck reference is great. 
because I remember seeing Howard the Duck the movie. The George how, Lucas film? The George Lucas film and how awful it is, all right? Okay, so real quick, Sav, have you even seen that movie? Do you even know about that movie? Okay, so oh. clearly that's a no. Don't worry about it. It's not as important. It's, it's really, <laughs> really weird. Um, it is a cult classic film, though. There is a huge following behind it. But, but go ahead, Scott. But it has Leah Thompson in it from Back to the Future, you know? <laughs> she makes but, out with a duck and something more. So, so that was, so for me, I, I, I'm happy with just Howard's inclusion. If I, and again, I think like, I think someone zoomed in, you did see Howard like in the final battle. <laughs> like, yeah, there, like I, there's a scene when, where he walks through the, through the portal and Endgame. Yeah. Um, but I would say for me personally, I wish when I saw Cosmos, I was like, yes. And I wish they would do more with Cosmos mainly because a, he's such a big part of that universe. Like he's pretty much. And then even in the guardians of the galaxy game that square Enix produced, like he's like the main, he's not the main guardian, but he's the main like force for, he's like the main, like force police force of all space so anytime you need to know something and just his powers is just phenomenal like he has a lot of great powers like it's almost like he, he could be a threat he could be a big threat if he wanted to be and it just you know just kind of seeing him in his role it's like oh, i wish i could see more do you think Cosmos. it's because he's a good boy <laughs> well i i guess so but i mean but i mean he's 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 kind of like um I would put him in the same thing with Black Bolt. Like, I feel like even like when really? I watch the, well, because, well, just how the MCU has portrayed Cosmos, because Black Bolt, even though you had a whole series, which no one really watched except me, I uh, called it. The Inhumans. I watched it. Like, he's, he's, he was so good as far as just not being able to speak, but you just want him. It's like, I just want you to just speak and, do something so obviously you know spoiler alert if you haven't seen multiverse of madness like when you see black bolt like i that was probably i was probably more excited about that than i was with richard reed i was probably more excited about really? black bolt oh i love black bolt he's great but i just feel like he hadn't gotten his justice i feel like even with cosmos it's like you know i was thinking okay well you know cool maybe they'll do something bigger with him in volume two and it's like well not really hopefully Maybe he'll come three. back in Guardian 3. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, here's here's the beauty, and I always say this when it comes to these things. He's not dead until we see a body, so he could just be out there, and we might get him in a future movie. And so when they – because I heard that they're going to do a Guardians 4, but that they're not going to use the same team. The whole lineup is going to start changing. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, if we start to get different iterations of this, if it becomes a different thing, I'm okay with that. I would love mm – -hmm. I, I personally think that Cosmos – was not is it cosmo or cosmos cause i think it's cosmo okay so cosmo um you know i th i think that he was deeply underused i loved the idea that like he's in this film that he's stuck there in, in the collector's thing but then like when he shows up i'm like okay make him a bigger piece like give him something more make him like a rogue guardian of the galaxy like have him come in for guardians too which they didn't use but i'm like this would be really really cool to see him and I love Howard the Duck. I think Howard is just comedy, and the fact that Seth Green plays him, I'm like, I'm okay with that. I really, really like Seth Green uh, from his 
from some family guy stuff that he's done to his Austin Powers roles. I mean, everything that that guy touches. I'm like, I, I've really enjoyed his stuff. I like the well, way Seth that Green. Handle. Seth Green does have experience of doing space stuff. Does he? What's he was he was he was Joker in the Mass Effect series. Gotcha. So he so he knows exactly what he's doing with with all this. So he knows and especially how to play just his co- and especially his comedic timing and the way he portrayed Joker was was great. Almost I wouldn't say almost Star Lordy, but kind of similar vibes. Gotcha. And again, if you have not played Mass Effect, I would recommend you play the trilogy. Do not play a Dramadon. That game sucks. <laughs> Sav, what were your thoughts on Cosmo and Howard? The duck. What, what did you think of those two characters? Did you even know who they were when you saw them? What are your thoughts? She's like, yeah, it's Daffy. <laughs> it's Daffy. <laughs> she's like, she's over here. She's like, <laughs> the the problem i think what what really comes to the problem is like you're you're the casual viewer scott and i have read these books we've we've gone in and i know i know uh, she's she's getting all defensive right now about it. The reason, listen, you are the quote unquote casual viewer. You haven't read all the books. You haven't played video games that you would know these characters really well. Scott has burned through the the Guardians game. He went through the Avengers games. Like he knows what some of these characters bring. I mean, well, the Guardians only, game's only a year old, and yeah, the Avengers Guardians is game, only like, two years old. <laughs> it has yeah, nothing like to do these, with age. Yeah, these these. Are, plus, I never read the books except for like when the movie first came out. I read like two okay. comics. So, but like for me, I read a bunch <laughs> so, of Marvel Jordan, stuff. And, Jordan's really hyping me up. Like I'm the scholar. I have a library of Guardian stuff. I am the Guardian guru. We 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 went ahead and gave Scott an honorary PhD in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> kind of like any any college that gives it, it really doesn't make any difference. We're just we're just making your head get a lot bigger. Um, but no, I just you know, it wouldn't make any sense for you if you if you walk in and you're like, I have no idea who Cosmo is because it's a dog in a spacesuit. But did you know that Cosmo is a Russian space dog? Like he got his powers when he went through space. Like he he didn't have that originally when he was born. Like it came in later on, and it was really cool to see some of those. Uh, aspects come in and I, I'm really excited to see kind of where they go with stuff and it's it's really really cool so uh it would be kind kind of like if you've seen the the Fantastic Four the space storms and those cosmic radiations and all that like that's how I believe he got his powers or it was testing um someone gave him te- through uh through testing on him um that's what happened with Rocket Raccoon so yeah, I just I, I think that's the kind of where they went with some of that. But what did you guys think? We're going to we're going to focus now on on Nebula. Nebula is a character that she kind of starts to switch sides a little bit. What are your thoughts on Nebula? And, and Sav, I see you smiling. So let's go ahead and start with you. What are your thoughts on Nebula?
Okay, so I'm going to pose this question to you. As, as our, I think you're our third female on this podcast. Um, as a female, how do you feel that she was represented in this film? Because a lot of times these are not directed, created by females. And so going from that perspective that you have a warrior kind of woman, more like a, a and this one might date me, a Xenia, war, Xena warrior princess kind of thing. Um, yeah, I know that dates us, Scott. Don't look at me like that. Uh, but, but when you go in and, and you have like that strong woman kind of feel, but they didn't like over-sexualize her. They did not get into this whole, you are an object. She goes in and she's a warrior. What were you, did you think that they presented that character very well? Is that? Okay. But, but with, with go. Nebula, let, let's talk Nebula though. Do you think that her character was presented well? Do you think that it? Do you think that that helps with female superheroes, supervillains, like the way that they did that moving forward in the MCU? Do you think that that handled that aspect very well? Because I feel like this is one of the first times that we see a female as a lead villain turning. Like like this Nebula is kind of part of the front running. So what were your thoughts on that? Okay. Scott, what were your thoughts about Nebula? Uh, <laughs> I, oh, well, <laughs> thanks for building up my ego. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, so I, I would say you don't really see Nebula's progression as a top-tier female villain warrior whatever until much later at the same time for within the first gardens of the galaxy film you, you basically she had to kind of play the lesser to gamora because again gamora was the favorite gamora was thanos's favorite he he's the one that thanos put a lot of effort to and then nebula was the one that kept getting disciplined and kept getting you know all this other enhancements done to her to and still it wasn't good enough to match Gamora's level of brutality. So, so on that side, I think she kind of becomes more of that tragic, that tragic villain slash tragic hero in some ways where you, 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 you almost, you, even though she's the villain, you're kind of also rooting for her too, because you start to see some of her issues and some of her plight where you're not really rooting for Ronan to be, you know, to, to beat. you're not really rooting for the collector to collect more, you know, to collect more and to trap people and, and put them up on display. Like, no, you're, you're really rooting for Nebula. I was rooting for the collector the whole time. I was rooting for the collector to have the golden gun. I think if they had the golden gun in there or even like Christopher Lee in there, it'd be like, oh, 
ha reference <laughs> from his first film. But yeah, <laughs> kind of like I'll be the only one who kind of like what they did with Bruce Campbell, like in Multiverse of Madness, just bringing him in just for that. Just quick. Just hey, that, there's a nod. You're you're always in these films. Kind of like something like that. It's always in a Sam Raimi film. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that Nebula was a phenomenal addition. I think that she was and I feel like she's the poor man's Loki, if that makes sense. Like she just poor kinda, man's Loki. The poor man's Loki. <laughs> poor, the, you said poor man's Loki. How about poor woman's Loki? Um, there's, there's a female uh, Loki, remember? There is. Yeah, you're right. We've got Sylvie. Um, I just, I, you know, when I think that we, you look at this character and I think that there's still a lot of room to grow, but Nebula is kind of a favorite in the same sense that Loki was a favorite. Like they took the same kind of path that there's a sibling rivalry and then like Loki disappears for a little bit. Nebula disappears for a little bit. They come back for their second movie. They do their thing. Then Loki comes back for a third thing, and then Nebula comes back in Infinity War. Loki dies in Infinity War. Then you see her show back up for Endgame, and then Loki gets his own series, and then she's going to show up in Guardians 3. I think that there's just a lot of wonderful things that can come out of this, and I feel like she's, as, as some of my students will say, she's like the, uh, the Walmart Loki or, or the Dollar General Loki. <laughs> like, it just... <laughs> oh, Yeah. I've did in all senses from comic book and in the movies all the way around. I, I stand by my statement. I stand by it. So the Walmart brand, <laughs> she, she's great value Loki. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't think that guardians three will end Karen Gillan's, uh, career with with nebula i think that she'll she'll stick around that they're they will continue to use her and she may even show back up when they do another avengers movie down the line um i i think it's she's too important of a character and i'll, I'll be surprised if they don't bring her back beforehand just because of the connections that she made like i think her and Rhodey could have a spinoff um like if Rhodey has his own series or like with secret wars um i could see her checking in on Rhodey. uh there's just that that connection between them and not that it's a a sexual or a romantic kind of relationship just that a we went through all this crap together. I love you. I got your back. Um, all right. Well, as we kind of wrap things up, I've got the most important question that comes from all this. How awesome was that soundtrack? Like, man, I got to say that thing just slapped. And I'm, I'm going to ask Scott first because Scott, you know, you and I, and I'm not trying to make you sound old, but we were raised with this kind of music. We, we heard a lot of this. No, 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 no. Do not make that face at me. We had this music, whether it came out when you were alive or before, I'm saying we were raised with this kind of stuff. We heard it on the radio. We've, we've heard a lot of this stuff. When those songs hit, we sang along. You cannot deny that. I did not sing along to any of the songs. My parents listened to Scorpions and Michael Bolton. Like none of this oh stuff Oh my gosh. Oh my I mean, gosh. I mean, if they played, if they played, if, 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 Chris Pat was listening to how can why can't we be lovers if we can't be friends by Michael Bolton? I would have like got up in the theater and started belting it at the top of my lungs. <laughs> or here I am rocking like a hurricane. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. But oh my gosh. I, no, but but here's the thing: like with my theater experience, a lot of the stuff I always had to do was create pre-show music, post-show music, sound oh, effects, yeah. all that stuff. So 
creating a soundtrack is very important. And I remember years ago, and this would have been like kind of like when the whole Napster thing started. Oh my gosh, because that there was us. Oh, oh gosh, yes. So Dude, I had my dad Mission had a Napster so account. Oh. Mission Mission Impossible Two. All right. Oh yeah. So think about Mission Impossible Two, and that's when they leaked the Metallica song that was supposed to be on there, right? Yep. And everyone's like, oh man, like this is going to be great. And then the Metallica's like, oh, we're going to sue Napster. And that started that whole thing. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. So I bought it. And besides like that song, the whole rest of the album was awful. Like the whole, and it's like, I just wasted paid, you know, I paid 15 bucks for one song that I really liked and all the other ones were garbage. So, and now you don't have access to any of it. <laughs> Well, so when you have a movie, well, I do. I, 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 I saved all my stuff, so I have it all. But, but the funny thing is about this is that there are certain movies, when you look at certain soundtracks, when you listen to them, it has a certain vibe. Like It's almost like if I could listen to this soundtrack, even if I hadn't watched a movie, I could appreciate it. But since I have watched a movie, I kind of can kind of – it's almost like I'm going through a storytelling. Like I know which scenes – this played out and I can get the emotion and the intensity and all that kind of floods back into my consciousness when yeah. I listen to that. And very few soundtracks do that. Uh, Guardians volume one, Guardians volume two does that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think when I got my first, when I started collecting vinyl, I remember one of the first albums I got for Christmas was Guardians of the Galaxy volume two. And my son was little and he had this little rocking horse and I would play that down in the basement and literally he'd get on that and he would rock and he would just start rocking on that horse like aggressively <laughs> until side A was done. And then I flip it over to side B and it's like, boom, 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 boom. It was, it was, <laughs> it's like, it's like when you put those plants, that's like the sunflower, you put it in the sun and they dance. And they start that's dancing, my but... son put guardians of the galaxy vinyl on there and he gets on a horse and he starts riding it like a cowboy. <laughs> that's awesome but but i mean even like with other soundtracks i have very few soundtracks that i own but i mean i have the american psycho soundtrack which i think does a great job with 80s music and kind of adding a little spin to it and then also guy Ritchie's snatch has a great soundtrack too like i listen to that all the time and then there's the moulin rouge i have that too you know i think that this one for me specifically, I sang along with a lot of those songs. My parents had, I mean, my dad raised me with a lot of 70s and 80s music, not as much 70s, more 80s, but there was a lot of that stuff that was even on the radio, that the the stuff that we listened to. And it just, all, all those songs, I'm like, like you said, it just was really, really good. It just, it brought back memories. It helps. And even today, it brings back even more memories because now I have more memories with these. And I remember sitting at Ohio Christian University and I had Caleb. Uh, one of my best friends from college and, and Scott, you know, you know, Caleb Martin. Um, we were both working, us and Sarah were working in the uh, admissions department and I would sit there making phone calls and updating lists. And when I wasn't on a phone call, I had YouTube playing the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. And I, I remember a lot of times where I was working, listening to that music. It was it was awesome. Okay, so I'll, I'll so I just kind of looked up the soundtrack list for Guardians One because I couldn't remember all the songs. Literally, the only songs that I knew was "Hooked on a Feeling" by by Blue Swede, um, "Ooh Child" by the Five Stair Steps, "Ain't No Mountain High Enough," which that's probably the only song I actually sang, and 
and then escape the pina colada song like literally those four songs were the only ones i knew off that entire album i knew more of volume two than i did off volume one <laughs> <laughs> well volume two starts to hit more of the 80s right yeah yeah so there is that so savannah what were your thoughts of the the music how much did you like it i you know i, I don't know what you listened to but uh, I know that I heard a lot of that stuff. I knew a lot of those songs. So, what are your thoughts on the Guardians of the Vol- or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One soundtrack? Okay, I got gotcha. you. So, but. But most of the songs, as they were hitting in the movie, did you like it? I gotcha. Well, Will wasn't here, but you hit the chef's kiss button for us, so perfect. Well, guys, I appreciate you guys coming in and doing this episode with me. Had a lot of fun hitting it with the Guardians. Um, guys, if you are listening to us, thank you so much for supporting our podcast. We love doing this stuff for you. If you want to be a part of this, you can send a message through email to nerdtalkwithjordanhalstead at gmail.com. If you have ideas and things like that you'd like to share with us, again, you can just shoot us an email. If you want to be a part of this, we would love to start talking with you. We're starting to invite guests and have different people in. Uh, if you haven't checked out our comic book club, you can pay $25 through Podbean. And it's a one-time fee. You just go ahead and pay that. And then you have unlimited access to all the extra content that we're pushing out through that. It's every other week podcast. We encourage you to be a part of that. And we can even get you in there too. If you haven't followed us on TikTok, definitely check us out there. And we will catch you guys here next time on 